Ramadan. For this Ramadan. Next Ramadan. We're basically done with next Ramadan. First ten days. So yesterday we had talked about where we reach. Twenty. We're starting twenty-one. Yeah, okay. So we finished Shaykh Al Balqi of the Lord's Sixteen is one. Uh, oh yes, we did. Alhamdulillah. And we oh we ended with in Allah Qadir. Yes, fantastic. So the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Ya ayyuhunnas, a'udhu rabbukum al-ladhi khalaqakum al-ladhi min qablikum la'allakum tattakun That people worship your Lord who created you and those before you so that you may be mindful of him. So what's, what's going on here? What happens? <coughs> subjects changing. Subjects changing. Subjects changing. And it's changing very quickly. We had, we had just talked about what? Right, we just been, we just talked about Munafiqeen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately jumps into what? Mankind. Right, he, people who believe in Allah. Right, just, he talks about people and what? People worship your Lord who created you and those before you so that you may be mindful of him so that you may so that you may have taqwa. So there's there's no indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to change what? Subject. Subject. There's no transition. There's no transition. Or is there? I mean, so he's like, talking about how the hypocrites don't have, like, especially the two hypocrites don't have to talk about, they're talking about how we should believe in Allah to give us Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he ends his discussion of Munafiqin, and he ends by talking about examples of how they are, right? Examples of how they are, and then he then he calls on the people. He said, "Yeah, you and us." He said, "People or all, or all mankind." So this is a, a type of transition, and it is to do what now? When Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Yeah, you and us," right? Or "Yeah, you and It's it's a universal message. This this is a very good point. This is a universal message. And what does this tie into? Because, like we said, sometimes the transitions aren't apparent, and sometimes they're a little bit more subtle. So over here, it's a little bit more subtle. In what way? It's a general explanation. Like okay. They're not pointing fingers at anybody. They're not saying. Ah, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is he's talking to all of mankind. Mankind. There's no doubt about that. So how can how is this a segue from the previous section? We were talking about the hypocrites and different groups of people. Uh, huh? We're talking, about the We're talking about the different groups of people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had divided mankind into how many categories? Or oh, three. Uh, two overall categories, but three three categories. And those three categories were? Uh, the kufar, the munafiq, and, and the mu'mini. So these are the three categories Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about when he talks about nas. So over here, he's calling on them again, saying, Ya ayyuhan nas, calling on who? Calling on the three previous categories. Right? He had already discussed them and now he's calling on them again, saying what? To all of them. Worship your Lord. Uh, worship your Lord. Why the use of word why use the word Lord here? Why doesn't why doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say Ya Is it because they're from religion? Or no? Because like if you're talking about a general concept mm-hmm. general all like humankind or mankind. Yeah. Mankind has Christianity, Judaism, all these things. Okay. And they have their form of 
Lord. Okay. So we say Allah. That's all I got. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? What is, Lord, what is the difference between Lord and what is the difference? What is the difference between Rabb and Allah? Rabb is like. It's more than just your Lord, so you can, your educator, your caretaker. Excellent. Excellent. So the if we when we say Allah, Allah, we we said it comes from the root word ilah, right? As some scholars have mentioned, which basically means what? Huh? Like what's a good translation for Allah? Huh? God. God. God is a very good translation. It's a very good translation of that, and that it is it, it it actually means that the deity that is worthy of worship, ilah. This is this is what ilah is. Ilah is a deity. And the deity that is worthy, worthy of worship is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says the word Rabb here, and Rabb meaning, huh, the one, right, because we said there's there's a word that comes from the word Rabb, which is a word, Tarbiyah. Huh? Tarbiyah. Tarbiyah means to cultivate, to educate, to care for, and to, to develop. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says here, right, worship your Lord. Basically, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying here? Uh, the one, the one that nourished you, the one that cared for you, the one that raised you, hmm? and and he ascribes his lordship to who? To mankind. He's saying that this is your lord, this is your caretaker, this is your educator, this is the one that raised you up, and that's why he's deserving of of your worship. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, he further goes on to describe himself. That he's the one that nurtured you, he's the one that raised you, and he's also the one that created you. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he further describes himself, saying that not only did he create you, that he created you and those before you. Meaning that you are not a new creation, that you came from someone who was before, but the initial one who created all of you is... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is a great transition into the next section, which is about what? About Adam alayhi salatu So this is, do you see the transition now? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, okay, mankind is of three types. And regardless of what type you are, I'm demanding from you, I'm commanding you to worship me. And the reason you need to worship me is because... Uh, I, not, not just I'm your Lord and Not because I'm taking care of you Not just because I'm taking care of you now But also because I I created you And I created those before you And I'm going to tell you How How I did it Does, does that make sense? And, and this is Yes, go ahead Why address them anyway? Yeah. Right? Why address them anyway? Because the, the reality is, regardless of the, of the state of the person, nothing is sealed or nothing is complete until when? Death. Until death. Right? Until death. So th this characteristic of nifaq or this characteristic of kufr, it cannot be stamped on the person until he dies. Until he dies. Yes? Um, just adding on to that, what he said, um, <clears throat> he wouldn't... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't just be selective. Mm -hmm. right? If the Quran was for mankind, it would always be open for mankind. Yeah. And then then it would be just like the Jews. There'd always be a chosen people. Yes. Yeah. So it wouldn't be for everyone. Like I cannot be 
a Jewish person I have to be born. Yeah, yeah, you have to be born into Judaism. So the wisdom, mm -hmm. you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's wisdom is so, you know, unique mm -hmm. and so profound that even though we know that these people won't believe, mm -hmm. like you said, He keeps the the book open for yeah. everyone. So the, the door is always going to be open. The book is always going to be open, and and not just that. There are individuals who might have received this message. There are individuals who didn't receive this message. So that chance has to be given to to everyone. So, yeah. I think yesterday we talked about the humility and mm -hmm. the salvation. Yeah. So I think this really comes right after in the last few times. Yeah. Okay, the rest of the whole. Ah, perfect. So I think that's maybe one of the other times. In 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 like it's it's coming after this, but a very a great example of this is Shaitan. A great example of this shaitan, that shaitan, he still has exposure to these, to these verses, right? Technically, technically, theoretically, if shaitan sought tawbah today, would Allah grant it to him? Yeah, why not? He's still alive, right? He's received the message. Because tawbah can be accepted when? Anytime before death. Anytime before death. The, the, the door of Tawbah is always open. But the thing with Shaitan, and as we get to it, is it's an issue of arrogance. And this is just another proof of the Quran. Because there were certain individuals, like for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he talks about like Abu Lahab. Or when he talks about Abu Jahl. What is one thing that all of these individuals share in that they could completely denounce the Quran with? I'm sorry? No, no, I'm just saying, like, they could completely say, okay, look, hey, look, the Quran is false. I'll prove it. They could have converted to, they could have converted to Islam. Right? Just imagine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed the verses about Abu Lahab. And everything's written that this person is in the hellfire. All he had to do was come forward and say what? Ashadu la ilaha illallah, Muhammad And be like, see, look, the book's false. <laughs> but he never did. Abu Jahl, same thing. Shaitan. Hatta shaitan. Great example. Who could have come for it any time, sought repentance, but he never did, and he never will, because of arrogance. Now go ahead, Afi. But then it's also it goes contradictory to the fact that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala guides whoever He wills, right? So yes, they have a free will, but again, okay, they, do they really have a free will? So we'll go. This goes back to the issue of qadr. This goes goes back to the issue of uh, divine pre-decree. So when it comes to the issue of qadr, now I don't want I don't want to sidetrack too much, but Qadr, uh, the best way that, that I understand it, the best way I understand it is that I leave Qadr in the realm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. Meaning that Allah knows everything that is to happen. He knows the end result. He knows where I'm going to go. He knows where you're going to go. He knows where everybody's going to go. So because He knows that, a lot of people, they'll confuse that with the issue of the will and free will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He does know everything, but at the same time, right now, am I being forced to put my hand up and down? You know, there's, there's no jabr, there's no compulsion on me. I do have that choice. But did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala know before I took this action that I would make that action? Yeah. And in a, one of the reasons or one of the issues that we have a problem, I see your hand, don't worry. <laughs> there, one, of the, one of the issues that, that we have or one of the problems that we have is that we will try to understand this concept or we'll try to understand or wrap our heads around Qadr 
But if we say, okay, this is part of Allah's knowledge, a very simple question is, can I understand characteristics of Allah? Can I understand His mercy and how encompassing it is? Is it possible for me as a human? Can I understand the infiniteness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Can I understand the wrath of Allah and His punishment? Can I understand His ability to create even? Something that I experience, right? Can I understand these things? No. In the same way I can't understand these things, it's impossibly, impossible for me to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. Second thing, from a personal aspect, from a personal viewpoint, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows where I'm going to end up. Yes, we, we all agree on this. Do I know? No. No. Right? There's no way. There's no way for me to know where I'm going to end up. People try, right? People try, like, okay, you know, what is my sign? You know, reading hands. Like, people try to find different ways to do that. But the reality is, it's all a guesswork. It's all guesswork. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the reality, and Allah has not told any single one of us where we're going to end up or what's going to happen. So, how did the Prophet do ilaj of this? How did he take care of this problem? When the companions, because the companions, this was a problem for them. It, you know, we're not the only ones. We're not the first, pers- the first group of people who had a problem with the Qadr or the divine pre decree. They went to the Prophet, and you know what they said to him? When the Prophet told them about the divine pre decree, when he told them about Qadr, they said to the Prophet, so should we like just stop doing anything? If everything's already written, if everything's already known, shouldn't we just stop doing good deeds? The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he responded to them and he said to them, he said, keep doing good deeds because this will get you to the point where that was written for you. Meaning that you keep working. You keep working, you keep going because at the end of the day, you don't know where you're going to end up. So you should keep striving and keep doing the best that you can. So it is a complicated issue. You know, don't get, don't get me wrong and I'm not going to answer. This is a discussion that our, many of our philosopher scholars have been dealing with for like, for like a thousand years. I'm not going to solve it here in five minutes. Um, it, it, but the best thing to remember is that we even have a hadith of the Prophet where he said, فستمسك. He said, whenever the Qadr is mentioned, he said, try not to talk about it too much. Because it's, just not, it's not something that you're going to solve. It's not something you're going to figure out. Yes. You have to repeat that again. Alright, so I said there's a difference between Qadr and the Qadr, right? Okay. And in what way? Alright. Like if when Qadr when, when is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes a decision on something, right? No. And the Qadr is when Allah knows something is gonna happen. No. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it, there is a slight difference, but in relation to what? Relation to say you make making du'a, right? Okay. And you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have faith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to answer it. That's one of the prerequisites of making du'a. Okay. But he might not answer it the way you expect him to answer it. 
Instead of giving you what you asked for, he might remove something bad from your father. But if you... What do you mean, remove something bad from your father? That's, that's my question. There's two different colors. You have the love for my food, but that's So basically what is in the hands of the angels is a short-term qadr. Meaning that, because their knowledge is limited. But the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlimited. So even if, what, what, how some of the scholars have explained it is if a person, he, he keeps family ties. We have some hadith where the Prophet that, you know, a dua yurud al-qadr. That the dua, it prevents or pushes the qadr. And we have other, <coughs> other narrations that the, the sila rahim, or can, keeping family ties, extends the person's life, right? But how do you deal with that when you have this lohul mahfuz, when you have this book that has writ- everything written in it in the end? Because that is also part of the lohul mahfuz, that this individual is going to act at this point and make this dua, and therefore, what was written before will now be abrogated and it will be moved forward. Or, this is what was written initially, but what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had relayed to the angels saying that, okay, this is what his life is. And they, they, they will come to Allah saying that, Ya Allah, he connects his family ties and Allah will extend it. But what is written in the Lohan Mahfud is, is what was written in with the angels was 60 years. But what is written in the Lohan Mahfud is 63, 65, whatever. So there, there is a short-term qadr, but that's within the knowledge of the angels. But the long-term that we're talking about in the end result... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he talks about that this individual is written for him whether he's shaqi or sa'id whether he ha- lives a happy life, a fulfilling life or he lives a lowly life this is something that's already written for him but again, the issue of qadr is one that is very complicated it's, it's not really one that it, it doesn't have a lot of fruits that come from it there's not a lot of great benefit in that um, having an understanding and just saying listen, this is something that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is with his knowledge that's one of the best ways to deal with it. And this is how I, I kind of wrap my head around it. Yes? I, I just had a question regarding the, the, this ayah. Is there a reason why Allah said before so you is because uh, um, the Kufar, they used to say this is how our father and forefathers used to do uh, why, why the emphasis on the one who, who were before them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's an, it, they, they can say, okay, well, you created us, so what about our forefathers? Where did they come from? Because what, what is one of the unique things about the, the Arabs, or the pagan Arabs? They're focused on their... So they had a lot of respect for their lineage. And not just that, the other problem was that some of them actually traced lineage to individuals who they claim are what? Important. Not important, even higher than important. They're actually gods themselves. They actually claim deification, or they, get, they deify certain individuals who they have a lineage for. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He reveals Surah Al-Ikhlas. What are the re- one of the reasons that he revealed Surah Al-Ikhlas? You guys know? The Arab, pagan Arabs, they came to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they said, Insa Rabbak. They said, give, give us the lineage of your Lord. Tell us what it is. Where do you come, like, you know, what, you know, who's his father and, you know, things like that. We want it, we need, the, we need this information so that we can see, is this lineage really worthy of what? Of worship. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, he responds saying, what? Qul Allah, Allah is alone. Allah 
<laughs> there's no lineage. You guys, you guys got the whole concept twisted. So this this idea of lineage is something that is definitely important to them, and this is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He says not only did He create you, but He created the people who you, some of the individuals who you claim to worship. worship. So that that is something that's very important. And then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He closes this ayah with something that's very important, saying what? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ What is what is taqwa? We we've talked about this a few times. Uh, being conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Having awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And this is something that's extremely important It's something extremely pivotal to the religion How are all of these things related to taqwa? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about a few things He's talking about worship He's talking about recognizing his lordship And the fact that he's a rabb He's talking about him being the creator Of not only them But of those who, were, who preceded them how do all of these things lead to taqwa? Huh? You raise your hand, I saw it. Trying to cross me. <laughs> oh, you want me to raise my hand? Yeah, go ahead. So it, it connects, all of these connects to Allah SWT because He's telling us that, look, like I'm your Lord, I have, I gave you this, even the small and the big things. Okay. Right? So you wake up, you have God consciousness, you eat, you gotta have, you gotta have God consciousness. Good. And all these little, little things, mm -hmm. whatever we do in our lives, should lead you some way in shape and form to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So it's a it's a reminder within itself that hey you're reminding yourself, but let me remind you. Right? So it's, it's like okay. even whatever we do in our lives, even those mm -hmm. those small small things yeah. you said, should lead you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the at the end of the day. Okay. And and, and it basically going back to um, the Jews, right? Uh -huh. You know, they they had taqwa. Yeah. But at one point they started to like do their own thing mm -hmm. and leave the guard part out of it. Like, leave the Allah Subhanahu part. It, of it. it became so more selfish. Yeah. More selfish. Yes. No, no, no. And also, all of these things are reminders of why we should have taqwa from that. Yeah, totally. Oh, and it also literally and verbally ties into the ties into tawheed. It's ibada He saying worship me, and he saying why you should worship me, which is rule. Mm -hmm. And then he's saying, he's saying, this is why you should worship me because I am the creator mm -hmm. of you as well as those who came before you. And mm -hmm. that's that's not what So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is describing to us here a few things that these are blessings that he has given to who? To mankind. Right? This is why he calls upon mankind. Saying, Ya Iwanas, by calling upon mankind. He's telling you need to worship me because I have given you these blessings. I have brought you up. I have raised you up. The point where all of us are at today, regardless of we are, whether we're Muslim or not, the point that we have reached today is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to be that. Not only has he allowed us and brought us up you know, with provision and care, but he's also the one that what? He's the one that created us. And he, he, he created us, and after creating us, he took care of us and brought us up to this point. And not were, our, were we the only ones that did that, but even our fathers, our forefathers, all of them. And this is why we, we are a product of, of you know, if you, if you look at it just statistically, we're just a product of chance. You know, it's because our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather decided to marry our great-great-great-great-grandmother, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and just kept going down that we are here today. And this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's infinite blessings on us. That the fact that we are created is a blessing. 
And the fact that we've reached where we are today is an even greater blessing. And because we have all of these things, we should have double. Yes. As, as warnings, right? Like you can take the previous ayat and literally take them as warnings. Like, hey, you, this is some of the stuff you might want to stay away from. right? This is the stuff you don't want to fall into. Because, and the reason you don't want to fall into it is because of all these blessings we've given you. And these, all these blessings we've given you should only lead you to taqwa. It shouldn't lead you to kufr and it shouldn't lead you to nifaq. Right? Because these are the two things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heavily focused on. In, in the previous ayat, not so. And then if you look at Surah Iman, mm-hmm. right, it just keeps repeating which one of the favors are going to go SubhanAllah. And she keeps adding the favors. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps repeating. And just keeps, it, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a favor and he says, Are you going to deny this one? And then mentions another favor, say, Are you going to deny this one? Right? And, and it just keeps going, that pattern keeps changing. And this, that's a great example of that. No, it's like a rhetorical question. And it's a rhetorical question, right? I mean, are, is, is somebody actually going to be like, Well, you know, I don't really like my neighbor, so he's not really a favorite. No, you're not. No, nobody's going to have that conversation because anything and everything that we've received in this world is one of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's favors upon us. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He goes on to say, and this says, "Who spread out the earth?" This is actually what a continuation of the previous ayah. This is actually a continuation of that, saying, Who spread out the earth for you and built the sky, who sent water down from it, and with that water produced things for your sustenance. Do not, knowing this, set up rivals to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This description, this description, and the one that made for you the earth, a firash, and he spread out the earth for you. And think, look at these descriptions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he talks about the earth, he talks about the sky, and he talks about rain, and he talks about sustenance and fruit. These things specifically. What is the relation of these things to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about previously? Who spread out the earth and who spread out the earth for you? And he made it a farash. A farash is, is something you, you roll out, usually something to lie down on. And that's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the earth. Like a mat. Like a mat right? He's describing describe it as a mat, something that is for you to use. Hmm. And he says about the sky, what? Wasama'a bina'a. He built this as a structure over you. He built this as a structure over you. So when we think of a structure, and we think of like a binat, we think of a building, what are one of the reasons that individuals have buildings? You need for shelter. And so this sky, even though we think of it as something is open, it's actually what? It's actually a shelter. And even with modern science, we understand that it is a shelter. What does it protect us from? It takes us from ozone, cosmic rays, right? This is something that a lot of us, we're just not aware of. There's cosmic radiation. There's a lot of things that the, that the sky protects us from that we're only discovering now. You know, we're only discovering today. 
Uh, yes. Did you say that we're abusing it today in modern day? And you're saying Allah's um, laying it out like a mat for mm-hmm. us to use. Would you say that we're abusing it right now? Yeah, I mean. The mankind, right? Yeah, now? I mean, mankind in general. Mankind in general. Like, all of these things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why is He describing them to us? Why is He telling us? Why mention these things specifically? Because they're what? Because they're not just because they're benefits, but they're actually what? They're actually blessings. Right? Just like the previous things that he mentioned. Like just the fact that he created us and nurtured us and took care of us, those were blessings. All of these things that he's provided for us are also blessings. And unfortunately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he also says about the nature of, of mankind, is like that jahulan, waluman jahulan, that mankind has an oppressive, ignorant nature. And, and because of that, what do they do? It's like very selfish. You know, it's very, very selfish. And when when an individual is selfish, he doesn't think about the future. He doesn't think of what's going to happen. He's going to think on what? How can I use this item for myself? For myself? Now. Right now. Right? How can I extract the full benefit of this item now? And you'll find that I mean, we we are abusing the earth. You know, we're abusing the earth. Even if you look in your own home sometimes, you know, even if you look within community centers, you'll see that all these spaces are abused. You see all these spaces are abused. I mean, even uh, when was it, the 27th night over here? Well, I went outside, I was really upset. Man. I was really upset. And, and even before that, the 27th night, I went out after Tarawih, after Qiyam, I think after Fajr, we left. There was like food on the floor, napkins, you know, plates, just, just you know, just really, really irresponsible. Oh, you know, we had a, an agreement with the people who were the over here next to us with the uh, with the roofers union. People are throwing cigarette butts in their in their thing, and now they're like, you know what? No, you guys can't use this space anymore. Just completely irresponsible. Just c- completely irresponsible. And and now there, you know, there's a sister that had uh, messaged me. She's saying, she's like, I used to park in the roofers union. I can't park there, and you know, I I, I don't know what to do. I can't find parking. And she just went home. So whoever was Littering in that space, whoever was abusing that space, now they take part in the sin that they're hurting Muslims. Like this is this is one, this is oppression. How can you hurt another Muslim? And even walking outside and causing harm. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ, he said the lowest form of iman is what? You guys know? Yeah. To remove something from the street. To remove something from the street. It's something, something simple as that. Think, what about a person who places harm in the street? <laughs> like, I mean, think, think about that. The Prophet said the lowest level of iman, the lowest level of iman, is to remove something harmful. Hey, what about the person who's actually putting harm on the street? Man? Like, is this what we are? Like, this is this is the iman that we have. This is our Islam. This is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is teaching us. This is what the Prophet Muhammad is teaching us. And, and like, you, you you don't have, the, you know, the base etiquettes to, to go to a garbage can. Like really, is it that hard? Is it that difficult? And and why are you smoking over there anyway? I mean, why are you smoking for your tayyib? I, you know, I, I get that, I understand that. Some people have an addiction and they have a problem. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cure them of that addiction. But it's like, okay, your addiction, keep it within yourself. Like why are you letting it get to a point where it transgresses and now it's hurting others? But, I mean, you know, and during Ramadan, it's just amplified and stuff. Yeah, may Allah protect us. Anyway, going going back to the blessings, going back to the blessings that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about, and, and are, do we abuse our blessings? Yes, absolutely, <coughs> absolutely. And and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala by these things, by us telling us these things, what is He telling us about the nature of the earth? It's a 
that it is a blessing that is meant for what? For mankind. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically telling us, I created these things for what? For you. I created all this stuff for you to utilize. I made this stuff so that you could benefit from it. And I made it in a way so that you could maximize your benefit from it. Had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed, He would have just made this. I mean, look at the other planets. Just look at look at the other planets in the social. Imagine if we had to like live on some a place like Mars, you know, where we had to dig into the ground just to extract water. You don't have to do any of those things. You in Mars, you couldn't even, you can't even walk outside. Like, like there, there's there's no atmosphere. You know, you can't you can't even walk outside. There's no other life in our system. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this earth, has given us this place as a gift. Saying that use it. And not only is it a gift, you know, it's a gift that you will enjoy and a gift that you will constantly keep benefiting from. It's not a one-time thing. If you take care of it, it will keep giving back to you. And if you abuse it, you're going to ruin it. And unfortunately, we, we, we're, in, we're in an abusive state. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He spread out the earth. And he built the sky above us as a cover. And, and not only did he build it as a cover or as a structure above us, he beautified it. Right? It's, it's, some, it's not like, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, okay, you know, I made the earth it's easy like to use. Well, it's, you know, it's like a tin roof. No, it, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, you just, just go out and subhanAllah, it's, it's amazing. Like, we live in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Really. We live in one of the most physically beautiful countries in the world. If any of you have gone to Shenandoah Park, Niagara Falls, you go to Yosemite Park, go anywhere, go northern Maine. You know, it's absolutely gorgeous. Just, just natural beauty left and right. And, and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, not only have I made this for you, and we can look around and we see the beauty of these things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's mentioning all of these things because he's talking to that pagan Arab who's sitting on his camel, looking around. Because all of these things he can what? He can perceive them and he will appreciate it because he knows exactly how difficult it is to get over what? To get over a mountain. So when there's that pass between the mountains, he's going to utilize that and he's going to benefit from that. And he's going to be thankful for that. Or the fact that there's a sky above him to cover him, protecting him from the rays of the sun. You know, how, and we, we feel that to a lesser extent. When we go outside and it's sunny and we go outside when it's cloudy, we always appreciate, like we feel better when that cloud passes over, right? When the cloud passes over and we feel a little bit of that shade. So imagine, you know, multiply that in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you, you, you appreciate it that much more. It's like the air conditioning. Like right? Because it's temporary, right? temporary air conditioning, right? Because, I mean, people say, oh, they didn't have ACs. I was like, yo, they didn't even have fans. Like, <laughs> forget, forget ACs. There are no fans. But subhanAllah, you, you know. Didn't they use to like the palm leaves and try to manipulate or something like that? So, what what happened, topic, <laughs> without going off topic too much, they, their version of an air conditioner was using uh, wood shutters. Oh, yeah, so like, because the wood shutters, because of the moisture that's within within the wood shutters, the, the air that actually passed through was cooler than the air outside. It's it's not it's not like you know it's not a huge difference but the thing is even a few degrees it makes a even a few degrees you know in that temperature and that heat actually does make a difference but you know they, in every generation in whatever part of history is you will always find people trying to escape or counter the elements in some way shape or form because it's it's difficult you know it's harsh it's, and it's very difficult um, but okay that's 
not, neither here nor there. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, not only did we create the sky as a building, as a cover for you, from that same sky, we what? We send water down. We send water down. And that water, what comes from that water? Fruits. Fruits. Fruits, hydration, and all of these things. We send down these fruits. Right? We send from the water comes these fruits. And this these fruits are what? These are sustenance for you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's explaining His Rabbaniya. He's explaining His Lordship through this ayah. That we took care of you and we raised you. Anybody be like, no, man, I took care of myself. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do in the next ayah? He explains how He took care of us. And He explains how I got you. It's like, oh, oh, you took care of yourself? Are you the one that made these pathways? Are you the one that sends down the water? Are you the ones that makes the fruits grow from the ground? Are you the one that does all of these things? Because these blessings are really from me. And these are the things that I created for who? For you. Had it not been for me, you would have none of these things and you would not have access to any of these things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He closes this ayah in saying what? فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ So do not knowingly what? Do not knowingly create rivals. Do not knowingly create rivals. And it's interesting the structure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uses here saying, you know, do not knowingly do this. Why? Why would he say that? Yes. We're talking about rivals here, right? We're not talking about a wasit. We're not talking about an intermediary. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not make an equal with me. Do not make an equal with me knowingly. So, number one, is it okay to do it unknowingly? No. Right, shirk is shirk. Shirk is haram. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the only sin that Allah will not forgive. So this is something important. But basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indicating something that's very important here. That this belief in a singular Lord, this belief in a singular God is what? Allah. I'm sorry? Allah. It, yes, but it is, it is what? <laughs> you're, you're right. But even taking a step back. He's saying it's more universal now because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember this ayah is a continuation of what? Previous ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he starts that ayah by saying what? Yeah. Yeah, you and nas. Oh, mankind. And then he's closing the ayah saying, and do not knowingly create partners with him. Is that related to the lineage that other, that the pagans that Ezra brought, you know, talking about other gods and other... It, it's not so much the lineage. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to kind of herd you guys toward is the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically telling us and saying, that every single person innately believes that there is only one God. What do we call that? We call that the fitrah. We call that the fitrah. That this natural state or this natural inclination to believing in one God is something that is ultimately natural. Right? It's something that we all have. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this. He's saying, listen, ponder over these things. 
Just, just ponder and think about these things. Because if you sit down and you spend time with them, the only conclusion that you will come to is what? There's one God. And if you always have this thought at the back of your mind, and if you always have this thought at the back of your heart, every time you have make create a partner with Him, what are you doing? You're knowingly, all right. You're no, knowingly making shirka. And all you have to do is ponder over His worldly signs. This is something you know. We've we've talked about this. How does an individual reach tawheed? How does an individual reach the belief that there is only one God? What does he need? Huh? Huh? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down two types of signs. There are two types of signs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. The taqwa is for the mu'min. He's already believed. Right? This, the taqwa will raise his iman. But there are two signs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down. Or two categories of signs Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down. What are they? And what are they for and who are they for? Is it emotions or like... Emotions is part of perception. But I'm talking about signs from Allah. Huh. So ayat al-kawniyan, worldly signs, the world around us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He commands us in multiple ayat, just look at the world around you. Is it, huh? is it that? Uh -huh. The miraculous signs, like what? And He split the moon, yes. Right, so these are religious signs. Now, we don't have exposure to those particular religious signs anymore. Right, we've been cut off from them. So for me, what religious sign do I have? Someone might say, okay, you know, their whatever religious sanctuary they have is their religious sign. Yes? Sun rising from the west? No. Huh? Right. No, that's natural. Huh? What is what is the religious miracle that we have that we can turn to? The Quran. The Quran. <laughs> the Quran. Very simply, this is the greatest religious miracle that we have that stayed has stayed with us until today. So, for an individual to come to the reality that there is only one God, he he just needs the natural world around him. But to come to the reality that there is only one religion, and how to implement that religion, he needs what? He needs these religious signs. He needs the Quran, because. If looking at the natural world, will I ever learn how to pray? No. Looking at the natural world, will I ever learn about the obligation of zakah? No. There are things that my heart will be naturally inclined toward. Like for example, if I believe that there is a God, I also believe I should worship Him. Right? If I believe there is a God, that means that I should be good with mankind. We do have these natural inclinations in us. But how to implement them and the specific obligations, we can only get these from the Book of Allah. We can only get these from the Quran and the Sunnah of the Messenger Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is why Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "And do not knowingly create partners with Him after you have an understanding or after you look around and you see all of these signs." So Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala He says in the next ayah, "وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِمَّا نَزَلْنَا عَلَى عَبْدِنَا فَأَتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِنْ مِثْلِهِ فَوَدَعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ." That if you have doubts about the revelation. What is he talking about? The Quran. Right? He's talking about the Quran here. We have sent down to our servant because he further, further clarifies this. Uh, then produce a single surah like it. So we have certain places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says produce a single ayah like it, uh, produce ten ayahs like it. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying what? A surah. What's interesting to note here 
is where was Baqarah revealed? It was revealed in Medina. Who was in Medina? The Yehud. And what's interesting about the Yehud, what is the big difference between them and the pagan Arabs or the, the Mushrikeen of Quraysh? They're knowledgeable. Oh, they're knowledgeable. They, they definitely have knowledge of the scripture. There's no doubt about that. What else? I'm sorry? Huh, they worship one God. They were familiar with the Prophet Muhammad versus the pagan Arabs. I'm sorry? They had a book. They had the Torah. Now, what, is, what are some things that the pagan Arabs had that the Jews of Yathrib that did not have? I'm sorry? That, okay, idols. Yeah. Lack of morals. Uh, morals is subjective. Right? Morals is subjective. If we compare anything other to Islam, then we will always say, you know, a moral is going to be defined by society. Right? A political, they had a little bit more political stability than the Jews, yes. I'm sorry? Uh, they were, I don't know if they were wealthier. I'd imagine they are, though. I'd imagine they are. Because the Jews' main income was what? Does anyone know? The Jews, the, what was the main income for the Jews? I'm sorry? <laughs> Bagels. <laughs> Thank you, Anas. I don't know. It was not bagels. Riba. Riba. Riba was their main income. Uh, they, 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 used to, they used to lend out money and they used to take interest. Or at least to take usury on that money. That was their main source of income. But isn't it against their... It's against... Okay. Or they don't... So, for, for basically... For the Jews, it is haram for a Jew to take riba from another Jew. This is important. So they just dog everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so, the banks. It's, it's, it's okay to dog the goyams. Which, which, <laughs> I mean... Anyway, uh, that that's uh, that's that was their main source of income. But it would seem that the Qurayshis were far more prosperous because of their trade um, that they dealt with versus Yathrib. And not just that, Yathrib had a lot of instability. It was only until like right before the coming of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that they they actually finally came to an agreement amongst themselves on electing a leader because they were like Banu Nadir, Aws and Khazraj, they were just not getting along. And those are the three main tribes of Medina. The other main difference is, is uh, where did the famous poets come from? They came from the Arab. They came from the Arab. So the Jews were not known for Arab poetry. It's not something that they were known for. They, speak Arabic? they spoke Arabic. They spoke Arabic. They were just not as eloquent. Why? It wasn't their main language. They still they still worked with Hebrew, right? They still had a little bit of dealing with Hebrew, and and Medina is still a, a lot more what? Yeah. Not, not more advanced. North. It is now, but not more than huh? North. north. It's a lot further north. Meaning it was closer to. It was closer to the Romans. It was closer to Jerusalem. They they were basically on trying to be on the edge of the desert because they didn't want to go too too deep into it, and they thought that a prophet was going to come in that region based on their scripture and based on their reading which is why they were there in the first place but their lineage was essentially what? Stop. no it's essentially Hebrew right? their, their lineage was essentially Hebrew uh, they were ethnic Jews um, versus the Arabs who were actually Arab 
So their Arabic, they were not as eloquent as them, but they did speak Arabic, yes. This is just a random side question. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with this. So what, there's some, so there's some uh, Jews that are in, that are in, in Africa. Uh -huh. They claim to be Jews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethiopians, yeah. yeah. So what is the what differentiates them with an actual Jews? Because the Jews themselves, the, the ones that are in Israel right now, yeah. or Palestine, yeah. they claim that they are not. They're, they're not Jews. They're not yeah. So, so the thing is, with within within ethnic Jews, there's there's a there's a big problem. There's a big problem of lineage now, uh, because after the diaspora where the du the Jews dispersed, uh, most of the tribes of Israel were killed. Most were they were killed. Most of them were killed. Um, I think one or two of the tribes they managed to survive. But even they eventually died off, and most of the Jews that you have now are a lot of them are from Russian origin. Yeah. So they are not really ethnic Jews. European. They're European. So the European Jews are the ones that have kind of risen, but these people actually converted to Judaism. They they weren't actually ethnic Jews. They were pagans. Yeah. So 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 then what happened was these are the people that came together and they formed destroy and then other people who had traces or trace lineages of of Jewish 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 ethnicity these individuals when they claimed it they they're basically in power they're in political power so they get to decide what like who's an ethnic Jew and who's not an ethnic Jew um, what had happened in Israel, I think this was this is recent history, within the past 10 years, I'm not, I'm not sure on the dates, but they were short, their population actually had fallen short. Yeah. Like they, were, they, were, they weren't growing at the pace that they wanted to, so they opened up the immigration to the Ethiopian Jews. So there's a huge Ethiopian influx into, into Israel. The problem is they're facing a lot of discrimination now. Yes. Like they're facing a lot of discrimination. They're having a lot of problems. So what has happened is a lot of them have been deported back to back to Ethiopia. It's it's crazy, um, but but uh, it's it, it's 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 really there's a lot of turmoil there. Saying that, when we talk about ethnic Jews, you have to realize it's an ethnicity. It's not what we we confuse it sometimes with what religion. the religion. So there are atheist Jews. So but this doesn't mean like you know they're atheist religious. They're they're just actually ethnic Jews. Um, and they they follow or they claim lineage or they claim this ethnicity, and we might say, okay, you know, why do they do that? Why is that? We do that too, um, but not in the same sense. So you have a lot of people who are saying, you have a lot of people who are, you know, I, they claim lineage to who? Did the Prophet I mean, even my family, my family claims lineage to Abu Bakr. It, it, you know, I, I've tried verifying it, I've tried looking into it, but it, the, the family trees get pretty muddled, and it's difficult to follow them back. But a lot of people, you know, so you have people who are Fadawaki who claim lineage too. You guys know? Uthman or the Allah People claim different lineages, different things. So it's not something that's unique to the ethnic Jews. So wait, uh, if they're claiming to be part of this lineage, yeah. but they're not Arabs. Yeah. So how, I'm a little confused. It, there, one of the fathers was, you know, Migrated. Just migrated, and then he had kids, and they lost the language eventually. I mean, it, it happens with us. I, I'll get to you. So it, it happens with us when we come to the United States. And last question. Yeah. Uh, so Judaism, is that a religion or ethnicity? Judaism is the religion. Okay. 
being a Jew can it's it's twofold. So the the problem that we have is when we actually talk about anti-Semites or being anti-Semitic. You got it doesn't mean you're against the Jewish religion. It means that you are actually you actually discriminate ethnic Jews. All right. It's it's like saying uh, someone's racist against Black Americans. It's it's the same type of thing. But instead of your racism or your hate being directed toward a black American, in this situation, your hate is directed toward anybody who's an ethnic Jew, not the religion. It, it, and that's that's what that's why it becomes it becomes a little problematic. Yes. Yeah, so Aramaic is actually the mother tongue. So you, Hebrew and Arabic, and I, I think there's a third language, I forgot what it was. They actually, they're related. They're very closely related. Um, even if you hear people speaking Jewish, there's like, there's, there's shared letters to this. You know, there's still a lot of shared letters. Um, for an individual to learn Hebrew, it's actually not that difficult. If you know Arabic, learning Hebrew uh, is, not, is not extremely challenging. Because even a lot of the root structure and how words are put together is not that far off. Is it vice versa? I don't, I don't know. But I, I, there are Jews who do learn Arabic. Okay. Um, what is an Orthodox Jew then? Okay, I mean, the, you have sects of Judaism, right? So you have Orthodox, you have conservative, um, uh, uh, I forgot what they're called. But there are three main sects now. You have the conservative Jews, and you have, uh, no, you have the Orthodox Jews. And you have the, it's just like a branch. They're just branches, and oh, understand. Okay. Basically, the the difference right. be, the difference between all of them is how strictly they strict they stick to their scripture. Okay. It, it, that's all it is. It's like okay, so the Orthodox Jews they say okay, we're supposed to take our scripture literally, and then the neo modern ones they say okay, no, it's just the general guide for manners. It's not meant to be taken literally. So that's I mean, that's the main difference between them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going back to uh, talking about this is how he raised you up and how you shouldn't knowingly set uh, um, partners up with him. Then the next ayat we talked about bringing a single surah like this. So I said it, it was interesting in that the Jews, they weren't famous for their knowledge of Arabic. Even, even in Arab Jewish history or the Jews that were in Arabia, they had one famous poet. Right? They had one famous poet. Versus other tribes where it was known that in every single tribe, they would always have like one or two or three famous poets. In every tribe. So for the Jews, they only had really one famous poet. So for when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking them and demanding them to come for, from with the surah, that's big. Like, you know, it, it's basically asking them to come with something that is completely impossible, completely out of their league. And, and that's why it's so impactful. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing them. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only does he says that, he says, you know, bring a surah that is similar to it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, on top of that, And enlist whatever supporters you have, other than Allah. Like, okay, you guys can, you guys try it, and get whatever help you can to try and bring similar to this. If you think you are, What? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he's, he's stressing this point and bringing this point. And like I said, he's basically asking them for the impossible. You know, these, the, the Jews were not known to be eloquent. They were not known to be uh, poets. 
So to ask them to do something like this is basically asking them to do something impossible. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, okay, even if you want to ask for help, even if you want to ask you, ask for those who support you, ask those who help you, if you think you are truthful, if you think you are on the right path. So I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll stop here, inshallah. But tonight might be, tonight is probably the last night, uh, honestly. Uh, so uh, no, we'll continue, inshallah. Uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just figure out. We'll figure out a day that uh, that works for everyone. So, like I said uh, before, before everyone leaves tonight, just talk to Aziz. We have a WhatsApp group where I, I just and Alhamdulillah, there no, there haven't been any forward. There, uh, one person used to send forward, so I removed him from the group. But in in general, we don't. There are no forwards in in the group, and there's only announcements related to the class. So what I can do is the the. The lectures that I have been, I have, I have saved them also. All of the talks that we've had, I've, I've saved them. I just need to upload them. Once I upload them, inshallah, I'll send the updated link to everyone. But uh, just talk to Aziz to be added to the group, inshallah. Uh, I'm sorry. No, um, like so, most of the communities that follow calculation, they've already announced it for tomorrow. Uh, we follow sighting. Uh, we follow global sighting. Yeah. So Saudi you see it or do you see it? The Muslim pro? Uh, um, no, we I see check, it. I checked uh, for that. Uh, <laughs>